In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash artofman and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash artofman, A-R-T-O-F-M-A-N, podsurvey.com slash artofman. Thanks for your help. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. Well, Southern Barbecue is a uniquely American food, and depending on which part of the South you're in, you're going to get a different answer as to what is true Southern Barbecue. Despite the differences, one thing that unites Southern Barbecue is its unabashed love for the humble pork butt. My guest today on the show has taken a tour of the South to find barbecue joints who are taking this traditional choice of meat and doing new things with it while sticking to the roots of Southern Q. His name is Matt Moore. He's our food contributor here at AOM, and his latest book is The South's Best Butts, Pitmaster Secrets for Southern Barbecue Perfection. Today on the show, Matt discusses the details of the history of barbecue and explains why pork is a staple in the Southern variety of barbecue. He then explains what exactly a pork butt is and no, it's not the rear of a pig and why it's such an ideal meat for smoking. He then shares how and why barbecue flavors and techniques differ in different parts of the South and highlights a few pitmasters who are adding new takes on this traditional dish. We then end our conversation by going through a step-by-step process of smoking the perfect pork butt, as well as some dishes you can prepare with it at your next barbecue. Your mouth is going to be watering after you hear the show. After the show is over, check out our show notes at aom.is slash porkbutt where you can find links to resources where you can delve deeper into this topic. Matt Moore, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me back on. So for those of you who follow the Art of Manliness website, Matt has been contributing food content for us over the years. A lot of just great recipes for guys who want to cook and host and things like that. Had him on the show a while back ago for his book, The Southern Gentleman's Kitchen. Really fantastic cookbook. And he's got a new one out. This time it's dedicated to the wonderful world of barbecue, particularly Southern barbecue. So Matt, what was the inspiration Uh, for you to travel around the American South in search of the perfect barbecue pork butt. You know, I like to say that opinions are like butts. Everybody has one. And being a Nashville guy, I like to liken everything to music. So I think in, in terms of barbecue today, and you mentioned particularly Southern barbecue, I don't know that there's any other barbecue besides Southern barbecue. That starts our first opinion for the podcast. There's Texas barbecue. Um, <laughs> we can get into that. Hey, I went to Texas. I went to Texas. I went to Oklahoma. So I don't know that uh, Washington State truly has barbecue. Sorry for any listeners up that way. For me, I, I wanted to uh, to go on a discovery. It's commonly agreed upon the barbecue belt is made up of 12 states. Think about the Carolinas, Georgia, Louisiana, across the uh, the South, all the way to Texas, up, 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 up to Oklahoma. The only people that we kind of forget about in the South is Florida. Sorry. But I wanted to go out on the road and showcase all the different styles that regional barbecue has, you know, dry rubs in Memphis, mustard-based sauces in, in, in South Carolina, white-based sauces in, in Alabama. And 
by doing a, a focus on the pork butt, that was kind of my medium through which we looked at all the different types of recipes. So you're getting a lot of recipes for woods, you're getting techniques, uh, dry rubs, whether it's sauced or not, how it's served. And then of course we round out the book, not just with pork butt, but we've got brisket and smoked chicken wings and all the sides and desserts that you could ever dream of. All right. So for our listeners who aren't familiar, what is the pork butt? Is it actually the pig's butt? No, it's a okay. common misconception. Right. The pork butt, actually the butt is actually the ham cut, but the pork butt, as we're referring to it, is actually the pork shoulder. And again, there's a lot of opinions, there's a lot of mystery behind where that name came from, but the pork butt got its name back in the day because they used to salt cure the shoulder cut along with all of the other cuts, and, and pack them in, in barrels. And those barrels were sold, and, and the, the terminology to refer to that barrel was a butt, B-U-T-T. It's where we get the name Boston butt. So it's actually the shoulder cut, which typically is a really tough cut. You know, It's a lot of muscle, a bit sinewy, and that's what requires such long cooking periods from anywhere from 20 hours, as I discovered in St. Louis, all the way down to just a couple of hours. And that's the unique thing about it. There's kind of 20 ways to, to skin a cat, and same way with a pork butt. So is that why the pork butt is often used in barbecuing because it requires you know a considerable amount of cooking time to get it nice and tender? Yeah, I mean, barbecue traces its name most commonly to the term barbacoa, which is roasting meats over open coals on spits. I think the pork butt is so popular because it's really ubiquitous. Sorry for the Texans and, and Oklahomans, but you know, to me, the pig is the cornerstone of Southern barbecue. And I think that the pork butt is kind of that veritable cut that everyone goes back to. You know, it's a humble cut, it's cheap, stretches to feed a crowd. And, and for me, it's the starting point for kind of defining cue. As I mentioned earlier, you know, liking and everything, the music, I think ribs for a long time have, have served as basically the lead singer of the band. You know, everybody loves ribs. They're adored by all, but they're quite finicky to prepare and also when you're consuming them. You know, I think if you look at Texas and Oklahoma barbecue, brisket has come on, on the spotlight. It's kind of like the lead guitarist is trying to steal some of that spotlight from the rib. But the pork butt has always served as kind of the drummer or the bassist behind the scenes, keeping everybody in time. And I wanted to to pay homage to it to uncover what people are doing with that cut from state to state to state. Right. You know, I've never been a fan of ribs. I mean, I'll like them, but like it's not like my favorite. <laughs> it's not my favorite thing. When there's barbecue, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll have a rib. That's it. But I'd rather eat. You know. Pulled a pork. great rib. Yeah. I mean, pulled pork is obviously one of my favorites, but a great rib can be transcending. But you more often than not come across really, really bad ribs than you do great ribs. I'll tell you, uh, one of the places we featured in the book is a place called Bee Daddy's Barbecue in San Antonio, Texas. And they're known for their beef brisket and beef ribs. And let me tell you what, man, I ate more than my weights full of beef ribs that afternoon in San Antonio. Got to do it right. So let's talk about the history of barbecue. It's a predominantly Southern phenomenon. It's it's been transported to other parts of the country. But what's the history of barbecue in the South? Why is it such a big thing there? It's cheap. <laughs> uh, you know, pigs were first brought over by DeSoto to Florida back in the 1400s. And it was an animal that could survive long voyages at sea. And then it didn't need a whole lot of domestication when it came stateside. They could basically let them run wild, a problem that we're dealing with still today in the South. That being said, to, to cook these meats, it does take a low temperature and quite a bit of time. So I think just regionally, it's what caused it really to proliferate throughout the South. And I dig into the history of one of the unique things that we uncovered is, you know, the South has had a long storied culture, some of it's more troubled than any, but back in the in the plantation era, one of the rare acts of humanity that you would see amongst slave owners and slaves is they would throw, and they're still called these today, pig pickings, where actually you broke the bonds of social hierarchy 
And the slave masters would literally dine with slaves. And it was a time of celebration. It was a time of harvest. And that's still a tradition that's carried on, obviously not in the same bounds that it is back in the past. So, you know, I think it's always played an important role in the Civil War. It was a food that could be salt cured and preserved to keep people fighting and and cheaply served. But I also love politics. And I'm not going to talk politics today, but Barbecue in the South is often found at political rallies. It's found at weddings. It's found at funerals. It's a food that everybody loves. It's a food that can serve the masses. And I think it's the ultimate comfort food, though in different forms, you find it throughout the South. And and now you're finding it throughout the U.S. and the rest of the world. Yeah. I mean, I think that's interesting. The history part was really fascinating that people in the 17th century or the 18th century were having like barbecue parties, right? I mean, it's like, it's crazy to think. Like we think it's like, oh, it's this thing that we've been doing just for a short time, but like, no, it's been going on for hundreds of years. Yeah. That whole hog style of cooking. You know, one of the other things is the entomology of the word barbecue. As I mentioned earlier, most people relate it back to the term barbacoa. Some people give credit to the French Haitians that call it barbacoa, which is basically nose to tail, if, if you will, or head to tail. And that's kind of to describe the whole hog method of cooking in the Carolinas. And one of my favorites is beer bar Q pool, which was an advertisement that you found throughout the Carolinas that Daniel Vaughn cited, saying that you would find inside a, a bar, a beer, uh, barbecue and pool. I don't think that's necessarily where we got the name barbecue, but it happened to be one of my favorites when I was doing the research on the history of the, of the word. So you mentioned earlier that as you go throughout the barbecue belt in the South, there's the different regions of the South have their own take on barbecue. And you mentioned a few of them. So how does the flavor and the techniques of barbecuing change depending on which part of the South you're in? Yeah, great question. The Carolinas, specifically North Carolina, is most known for cooking a whole hog. So when we visited Wilbur's in Goldsboro, North Carolina, they don't actually just cook pork butts. They cook a whole hog and they chop all of that meat together. So you're getting all portions and it has a unique flavor. Typically, a, a real strong hickory wood is used to smoke and they don't have really any sauce whatsoever. It's just a apple cider vinegar with crushed red pepper and salt. As you make your way down through South Carolina, you're starting to pick up more of a mustard based sauce. And and a lot of folks give credit to a lot of the German immigrants that came over uh, during that time period. As you go to Georgia and Louisiana and Alabama, Alabama, you pick up a little bit of a white sauce, which is based out of a mayonnaise. And if you go up to Kentucky, you find not really pork, you find mutton. And then as you make your way west, most people typically say that you first find tomato and a little bit of sweetness in the form of of a syrup. As you find Memphis and St. Louis and Kansas City style barbecues. And of course, as you go all the way further west, you're going to pick up more beef in the state of Texas. And one of my favorites, you know, right there in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, they called uh, smoked bologna, they called it Oklahoma tenderloin. So there's a lot of different things that make up the different styles, but those are the commonly agreed upon as you make your way from east to west. So do you know why the tomato and like the more sweet is in like Missouri and Kansas City? Do you, I mean, you know, like you mentioned that the mustard base from the Germans and the Carolina stuff is more from whatever, like why the sweetness as you get west? You know, it's a good question. And, and that's one that you might have me stumped on. I, I didn't find anything that out of particularity would uh, lend itself to say that tomatoes appeared more in that side of the country. I think that just tastes are different. You know, to me, people ask all the time, well, what is good barbecue? I think we all associate barbecue with what we grow up on. So for folks in Kansas City and Memphis and St. Louis that, that tend to like a sweeter based sauce, when they try Carolina style barbecue, which I said is just vinegar, a little bit of heat from crushed red pepper and salt, 
they don't really consider it barbecue because it's not the barbecue that they grew up on. So it's it's still something that's super, super hyper-regional. But as to why you, you, you get more maple syrup or cane syrup or something along those lines as to what makes it sweeter, I just think it naturally evolves over time as, as t- people's tastes and preferences kind of carry on that way. Gotcha. So, I mean, you mentioned, I, someone asked, people ask you, like, what makes good barbecue good barbecue? You can have bad barbecue, like there's bad ribs. <laughs> is it possible like to screw up a pork butt or is it a pretty forgiving meat piece of meat? Yeah, I think one of the unique things about focusing a spotlight on the pork butt, it is a, a forgiving cut, right? Skip Steele, who's a pretty famous pit master at Bogarts in St. Louis, he, he said it perfectly. He said, you know, cooking is a math problem. Time plus temperature equals results. He's a gentleman that uses hickory. He smokes his pork butts at 200 degrees for 20 hours. That's quite a commitment, right? (laughs) You know, I found uh, a gentleman in Leachville, Arkansas at Big Butts Barbecue that will actually break down the pork butts. So he cuts them into one and a quarter inch steaks. So you get more surface area and he cooks them at about 325 degrees for just a couple of hours. The results were different, but they were still both delicious. So I think in terms of the other cuts, it's like a brisket, which, you know, once it's dry, it's not good anymore. Ribs can be quite dry or not a whole lot of meat on the bone. The pork butt is one that is quite humble and forgiving, and there's a lot of different ways to approach it. In this book, you visit all these different barbecue joints, big ones in the South. I mean, what do you think they all had in common? And besides that, like what what were the big differences? Besides the regional flavors of what they're doing, did they, did they have differences in the way they approach barbecue or innovation or sticking to tradition? Yeah, great question. I think we'll dig into it in just a bit. But, you know, the commonality was just great people. These pit masters that show up to work at three or four o'clock in the morning to cook all day, all day long. I mean, they're judged more than a Michelin star chef. So in those instances, the commonality was just meeting great people. Uh, In terms of innovation, yes, I think anybody can cook great barbecue on the most expensive piece of equipment, whatever that might be. So if you just have a kettle grill that you can pick up at any hardware store with some charcoal, that's one of my favorite ways to cook, digging a hole into the backyard to cook a whole hog. But we did find quite a bit of innovation. Nowadays, you come across commercial smokers that can smoke you know, 20 and 30 butts at a time that is using gas to, to control temperature precisely. And then they're using some actual real wood for smoke flavor. I think the rule is going back to time and temperature equals results. It doesn't really matter what you cook on or how expensive your equipment is. The food is going to be quite a bit better if you're actually a master of time and temperature control than anything else. Yeah, I have a buddy who does a lot of barbecue and he says, you can use a metal garbage can <laughs> and still cook good because it all comes down to time and temperature. If you Absolutely. control those things, you're going to get a good thing. Absolutely. Was there any places that you came across that you saw were doing something really unique with barbecue to change things up? Yeah, I think one of my favorite places that I came across is called Heirloom Barbecue in Atlanta, Georgia. They literally, the Georgia Department of Transportation tried to shut the restaurant down because the traffic getting into the restaurant was so bad it was causing problems. That's no joke to those in Atlanta with the I-85 bridge that recently collapsed. Atlanta is already a traffic-ridden city, but what you find there is a husband and wife. Cody Taylor is originally from Knoxville, Tennessee. Spent a lot of time in Texas. So he is a true Southern barbecue pit master. He married uh, his wife, Jion Lee, who happens to be a Korean pop star. And I mean it. She's like Britney Spears big in South Korea. She wanted to get away from the spotlight, tended Le Cordon Bleu in Atlanta and started cooking. They got married. And what you have is this harmonious flavor of true traditional Southern barbecue married with a Korean influence. So I don't want to say Korean barbecue at all. It's, it's, it's nothing like that. You're finding pork butts that are smoked, you know, 
know, 16 hours over hickory, but they're marinated in a, a Korean red chili rub called gochujang, which gives it this incredible umami flavor. They've got, instead of a traditional coleslaw, they make a kimchi slaw. Their pickles are all done in a South Korean way. So to me, that was a really innovative style of cooking in a barbecue where they're really paying homage to the roots, but they're making it their own. But it is sort of that innovation is baked in the DNA of barbecue because it's like you're combining all these different cultures into this new food, right? Absolutely. You know, I think the thing about barbecue is we're probably a little slow to walk towards innovation. Most purists might go to a place like Heirloom and claim that because of some of the influences, you know, it wasn't traditional Southern style barbecue. I I would hotly disagree. I think that barbecue is a constantly evolving space, you know, and that's one of the things that I wanted to showcase in the book is a whole lot of diversity. Most people think of of pitmasters being uh, men, but there was quite a quite a few females. Uh, Helen Turner in Brownsville, Tennessee. I, I mean, she's just as 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 tough as any man I've ever met. I mean, she's building big fires in an open pit at four o'clock in the morning and working all day. The front of house, the back of house. So you're you're going to come across people that of all different walks of life that are carrying on the tradition of barbecue and making their own stamp on it as they continue to carry that tradition on. So besides, you know, highlighting these different barbecue places, barbecue joints, it's a cookbook. It's recipes on how to cook pork, pork butt and other things. If you're up for it, I mean, I'd love to walk our listeners through on how to smoke or cook the perfect pork butt for barbecue. So let's start with the meat. Like, or you say pork butt's pretty forgiving, but when you go and buy a pork butt, is it something you can look at the meat and say, yeah, this is going to be a good piece of meat to cook or no, or I should stay away from this one. Is there anything you can tell by the meat? Yeah. Uh, so the cool thing about it, when you go to the store, these are pretty consistent. Uh, you're going to find them most often in a range anywhere from eight to 12 pounds. I tend to like one around 10 pounds. If I can find that, you'll find How much a- is that feed goodness gracious, at least 20 people, right? And typically you're going to find those. And I think your listeners will really appreciate this. I buy pork butts at my local grocery store here in Nashville, Tennessee, which sometimes has higher food costs for 99 cents a pound, right? So I can buy a 10 pound butt for $10 and typically feed, you know, 15 to 20 people on, depending on the method that I'm using, whether it's sandwiches or just on a plate or whatever. So you're going to find those. You want to look for ones that have a nice fat cap on the top, and it'll also include the bone and the shoulder. That's really what you're looking for. And I, like I said, it, it's super humble. It's super cheap. You want to find ones that are fresh. But I think any local market you can go down to or ask your butcher to source for you, it's a really cheap, affordable food source uh, that you can find basically anywhere. All right, let's talk about the thing that causes a lot of <laughs> consternation. Yeah. Seasoning. Is it seasoning. Wet, or, wet or dry seasoning? What do you do? I came across a lot of different methods, so I'll let you guys dig into uh, some of the different recipes. Me, I I prefer a dry rub, right? Uh, What's going to flavor the butt, and again, I'm one that's a a little bit more of a purist. I don't really use a whole lot of sauce after I've cooked my meat. It's kind of more of a Carolina style where I might add a little bit of vinegar, salt, and pepper. So by using a dry rub, it's one of my first chances, besides using actual smoke to flavor the meat, the dry rub is really going to be my chance. So I love a really, really liberal dry rub. I, I saw it just as simple as coarse salt and pepper, all the way up to using you know a ground garlic and onion powders and mustard powders and chili powders. But for me, I'm one that likes to uh, really work uh, a rub of which you'll find plenty of recipes in the book all throughout every crevice of the meat before it hits the fire. And if you do a, a wet seasoning, wet rub, do you do that after or before you start smoking it? 
What I found, yeah, a good question. I found a lot of people doing kind of like a brine, right? So even if it was kind of a salt and water solution where they were submerging the uh, the actual pork butt overnight, or I, I came across some that, that actually would coat it in Italian dressing and let it sit overnight. The one commonality though before, uh, whether they used a dry rub or not, they were sure to really, really wipe down and dry off either the brine or the marinade before they put it on the smoker. You don't want to have a wet butt, sorry for the pun there, and then add a dry rub to it because in the first few hours, remember, we're cooking at a very low temperature. So what happens is all that dry rub is just going to kind of steam off the meat and it kind of goes against the purpose of giving it a dry rub. So if you do do a brine or a marinade of any kind on the butt, you want to make sure that you wipe it completely dry before you put a rub or before you even put it on the fire. Gotcha. Okay. Let's talk about actually cooking it. So you, you smoke it, right? That, that's the that, that's the traditional way of cooking pork butt is smoking it, right? Yeah. True barbecue is is taking, you know, wood coals. I've most often came across mesquite or hickory coals, oak coals as well. Some people prefer fruit woods like an apple or a pecan that can add a little bit sweeter smoke to the meat. But true folks will tell you that you have to actually burn down logs of, of wood into coals and then you shovel those coals underneath the meat. And the idea is that as the meat kind of gives up its, its fatty goodness, it, it, it kind of drips down on the fire and that smoke flavors the meat throughout the long process. That's the tried and true method. You know, you can also get away with using lump charcoal, which kind of makes that step a little bit easier and then use uh, wood chips to help provide more smoke flavor. You know, a lot of people are against briquette style charcoal, but I came across uh, a gentleman in Arkansas that that always used briquettes and, and got great results. So I think there's a lot of different methods there. But in terms of the smoke, what I find is that most people are trying to impart smoke flavor for the first one to four hours. So if you're looking at a, a pork butt that's about 10 to 12 pounds at around 250 to 275 degrees, you're looking at probably a, a cooking time anywhere between 12 to 16 hours with most people adding some of the actual wood chips into the first four hours of cooking. Wow. So you're looking at 16 hours. Like, so if you were like wanting to smoke something for the weekend or for like a party, like say a Saturday night, when would you need to start ideally? Hey, that's the fun part. If you ask me, you start the night before and you turn on some Waylon Jennings and crack open a cold beer. You know, that's one of the things where having a little bit more sophisticated smoker plays to your advantage. Using a kettle style grill, you're going to be up a couple times during the night to replace charcoal. If you have an egg style cooker, you can you can get that thing set and it'll hold the temperature for you for 16, 20 hours. So that's one advantage, I will say, of having a little bit more expensive equipment or even a gas style cooker where you can absolutely regulate that temperature to a T and then add your wood chips for that smoke flavor. But most folks are doing this uh, the night before. You know, one shortcut that you can use that I found throughout throughout my travels was cutting that pork butt down maybe in half or into four portions so that you create more surface area so that that heat can work around the meat in a shorter period of time. Or what I find a lot of folks doing is the old Texas crutch method. Uh, and this is one of my favorite things that I found people doing with ribs and brisket and even the pork butt. They'll smoke it for you know four to six hours over the fire and then they'll pull it off and they'll wrap it in an aluminum foil. And what that does is it, it prevents any more smoke from penetrating the meat, but it creates sort of a convection style cooking so that it continues to cook and tenderize the meat. And, and I find that if you use that method, instead of it taking, you know, 16 hours, you might be able to pull the whole thing off in, in 10 or 12 hours instead. Okay. That makes sense. And then like, what do you do after you, you smoke it? What do you think is the best way to, to prepare or to present the you meat? You know, for me, you shred it, slice <laughs> it. Yeah. There's again, uh, 
thousands of opinions on it. The first thing you need to do, just like when you're cooking a great steak, is you need to let it rest. That was another commonality that every pit master that I met with in my travels agreed. So whether it was 30 minutes off the uh, the heat or even up to an hour or a few hours, it's important to allow that meat to rest. It gets its name pulled pork from just actually what you do. You, you should literally be able to pull the bone out of it clean. There should be no meat on the bone. That's when you know that you've cooked it to the right temperature. Most folks will tell you that you want to cook it to 200 to 205 degrees to make sure that it's going to pull correctly. So it should be super, super tender and pull easily. Carolina style, because they're typically cooking a whole hog, they tend to chop the meat. So they'll work a cleaver into the meat and actually have a, a chopped meat. And then when you mentioned sliced, I didn't come across that a whole lot with the actual pork butt. Up in Kentucky, we came across barbecued mutton, which was typically chipped, which would be more of a pulled style, or they would actually slice that. So that was the only place that we came across a slice style of the butt. Okay. And suggestions on what to serve with your pork butt, just like coleslaw, baked beans. I mean, are, is baked beans a thing like for Southern barbecue? Or is that a Texas thing? Oh, baked beans are huge. I think we give you probably okay. 75, 80 side recipes for uh, rounding out the pork butt, you know? And, and so traditionally it's served on a sandwich, right? You can choose whether you want to add sauce to it. If you want to top it with a slaw or pickles or onions, you're going to get a lot of different recipes for the method of service. I think what's really cool is, you know, in, in Texas, they, they serve their pulled pork on tacos, right? I came across a pulled pork ramen where they're actually taking the pork meat and infusing it into a, a bowl of noodles and ramen. So for me, however you want to serve it, there's a lot of different variances. And I think this is a good point. You know, we've talked a lot about a pretty lengthy cooking process, whether it's 20 hours or a few hours, it's a big commitment. I wanted to write a book in, the, in a way that if you didn't have time to cook your own butt, you could go to your local grocery store or your local barbecue restaurant and pick up a pound or two of, of pulled or chipped pork and use that as a base to all the other recipes in the book. So if, you're, if your time is a, is a pinch and you still want to make these recipes, just outsource that, person, that portion to uh, the local store or restaurant and you can still get a lot of enjoyment out of cooking the recipes. All right. So I'm from Oklahoma, grew up in Texas a little bit. We, we can't talk, we, we can't talk barbecue sure. without talking beef. Let's talk brisket. Like, man, I've messed up lots of briskets before trying to cook because they're just, it's such a finicky piece of meat. I mean, what's the secret to make sure you get something that's just nice and tender and just, just, it, it's, it's, you can eat it, right? Like you're not like chewing a piece of leather. Yeah, of I, I got to be honest with you. A friend of mine who works for the FBI told me about a place in San Antonio called B Daddy's Barbecue. You got to be, you know, when you think about it, finding a pork butt in Texas was really difficult. But the reason I went there is because you have so many military guys that are down there from other parts of the South that just demanded a pork butt. I went for the pork butt, but I could not leave because of the beef ribs and the brisket. You know, one thing about brisket is it's hard to find and source a quality of of meat. I mean, you've got to really spend a good bit of money to get a great cut. You know, depending on the time of the year that the cows are actually slaughtered, that's going to play a big part into the quality of the cut that you're actually going to smoke. From there, it is, like I said, time and temperature equals results. B.R. Anderson, who's the pit master down there, he uses salt and pepper. He smokes it low and slow, and then he actually wraps his kind of in a craft-style paper. So it's it's a bit of that Texas crutch method, but not using foil. So it keeps it nice and moist, but it's not kind of convecting that heat. So it's a little bit more gentle of a cooking method. You know, I think brisket is a, is a finicky meat. You know, you want it to be moist. You want it to be fall-apart tender. And there's a fine line. Typically, most pitmasters will tell you that they've got about a 30-minute window to where it needs a little bit more cooking. And then if you go too long, it's going to be dry. And I think it's just something that you have to perfect over time. But we certainly give you his recipe and method for you to try out at your own home. 
That's awesome. Well, hey, Matt, it's been a great conversation. Where can people learn more about the book and your work? Yeah, thank you for having me back. We are going to do some of the recipes on on the blog at The Art of Manliness. And then you can also check me out uh, Instagram at Matt Moore Music or uh, via my site at mattrmore.com. Awesome. Matt Moore, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Hey, Brett. Thanks. My guest today is Matt Moore. His latest book is The South's Best Butts. It's available on Amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. Pick up a copy. Also, you can check out more about his work at mattmore.com. Also, check out our show notes at aom.is slash porkbutt, where you can find links to resources. We can delve deeper into this topic, and you can find more of Matt's cooking content at theartofmanliness.com. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. If you enjoy the show, I've got something out of it. I'd appreciate it if you give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. That helps us out a lot. As always, thank you for your continued support. And until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly. Stay manly.